All right. Yeah. This is it. Yeah. Let's finish this bitch off. <laughs> this is it. <laughs> God, how many times have <laughs> I heard that? Savo <laughs> <laughs> going down. <sighs> what a what a what a journey this has been, Savo. Yeah. Part yes. something. I don't know. Part something. <laughs> Fifty. Episode one oh seven of the Renaissance right. show, Ray. And uh, last time Savo was confessing to everything, being tortured. Yes. Um he's now got the uh, papal investigators there in Florence. Up his ass. Trying to try him for religious heresy. Yes. Yes. Um, when he was asked about his three famous promises to Florence that mm. they would be saved, uh, that they would rule the world, etc., sure. he was asked, "What did he plan to do if they didn't come about?" And soon, how did he plan to get out of that? And he replied, "Oh, we weren't lacking in ways, especially because these soons can take a long time <laughs> to arrive on Earth." <laughs> No the good shit. old get out of jail yeah. free card that Christian prophets have been using safely for two thousand years and making money. Oh yeah, Jesus is coming soon. Oh, yeah, soon. Yeah, soon. Any time now. Soon. Yeah. But uh, that soon can take thousands of years. We don't yes. know. Yes. Well, there's soon, soon. There's now, soon. There's a little mm. later, soon. And then there's just oh. quote unquote soon. You know. Before this the, the yeah. it's the Donald Rumsfeld list list, list of soons. There's the soon soon. Right. There's the unknown soon. Right. And the known soon, the unknown soons, and the unknown unknown right. soons that we don't know when they'll be. So why did you call one it soon? Well, it's just right. Well, figure of speech, really. Yeah, soon. Yeah. I could have said soonish, but that doesn't sound as Christiany. I think. So uh, the same night that he confessed of all of this, Savonarola was notified that he had, in fact, been found guilty and condemned to death. Yes. He seemed a bit more composed. I guess he probably figured out this was happening. And like you just said at the end of the last episode, I mean, he pretty much admits everything. So how else can it end? So, yeah. So on the... On May 22nd, you're, you're right, he's told that tomorrow, on the morrow, he will die along with his co-conspirators. So May 23rd is the big day, the last day. He requested a confessor. He was sent sure. a Benedictine monk called Don Alessandro. Right. He also uh, had an audience with Jacopo Nicolini um, from the Neri Company, there were a bunch of uh, laymen who made it their job to comfort the condemned waiting execution. We should do that. Um, well, I feel like I already do that by talking to you um, every week. That's sort of uh, spending your, your time therapy. with the condemned, a, you know, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I get that. When the when the revolution breaks out, the civil war breaks out in Virginia, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you'll be the first one they string up. Right. Or the last, mm. they might just keep me for entertainment value. I don't know. We'll, we'll it could go either way. We'll see. I'll let you know. <laughs> uh, around midnight, 
he yes. asked to be allowed to meet with Fra Silvestro and Fra Domenico, who also had received death sentences. Mm. Uh, the request was granted, and they spent the night praying, crying, holding each other, probably jerking <laughs> each other off, little reach I around. Right. And they're like, listen, you know, last we've one. been defrocked. We're about to be executed. This is it. This is our yeah. last chance for a little bit of a BJ, a <laughs> little bit of a... Uh, Circle jerk. Yeah. What do, what do you call it? Uh, ring around the rosy? I don't know. There's a word there's a name for it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's no fun doing it by yourself. Um, it was hot. Right. Yeah, Leonardo <laughs> da Vinci was called in to, to uh, paint it. Um, it's uh, been... That painting survives in the Vatican... Archives yeah. today. No one's allowed to see it, but it's sexy. Right. The Pope, uh, Pope Francis, you know, like jerks off to it at least once a week. It's hot. <laughs> so the next day, 1 p.m., May 23rd, my father's birthday, 1498. Oh right. They were first degraded, a bit like doing this podcast sure. every week, and then burned <laughs> in the Piazza della Signoria. Do you want to read out? Uh, Luca Landucci's uh, account of it? I, I'm afraid I don't have it word for word. If you could please do the honor. The sacrifice of the three friars was carried out on Wednesday morning, May 23rd. Mm. They were brought out of the palace and made to mount the scaffolding over the platform where the eight, the colleges, the papal envoy, the general of the Dominican order, Many canons, priests and friars of various orders and Bishop Paganotti, who was responsible for performing the degradation of the three friars, were Mm -hmm. assembled. The ceremony was performed there on the Ringiera. They were dressed in full clerical robes and then stripped of them one by one as Mm. the words of degradation were recited. Frate Girolamo continuously declared to be a heretic and condemned to the flames. Their heads and the backs of their heads, no, their heads and the backs of their hands Mm -hmm. were shaved as is done in such degradations. Shaving the back of your hands? Really? Yeah, I I don't. don't. What's that got to do with it? (laughs) I don't feel any more less manly, but whatever. Okay. Savonarola was like, you're going to wax my nutsack as well (laughs) and my back crack? Come on. I got all day, bitch. If you're going to do it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, do the whole thing. Let's go. <laughs> I want to go to heaven silky smooth all <laughs> like over. Like a baby. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I'm yeah. going to need a moment. Yeah. Or, a, or a 10-year-old boy. <laughs> Shout out to Cardinal Pell. The Next, the friars were turned over okay. to the Otto. Right. That's the, um, that's the aid of security, the Otto, mm-hmm. who immediately decided that they were to be hanged and burned and, in fact, they were led out on the platform to gallows formed like a cross. Aww. The first was Frate Silvestro. He was right. hanged on one arm of the gallows, but yeah. there was not much tension because the rig didn't pull tightly, the rope not being taut enough, he suffered a long time God. repeating Jesu over and over as he was hanging. Oh, my God. The second was Frate Domenico de Pescia, mm-hmm. constantly repeating Jesu. The third was the Frate, the so-called heretic. Yeah. He did not speak out loud, only murmuring as he hanged. Mm. None of them said anything. 
which caused great surprise, for everyone was hoping to see signs proving that what Fra Girolamo previously told the people was the truth. This was especially so for the righteous people who hoped that God would be glorified, righteous living would begin, the church renewed and the infidel converted. So they were not without bitterness, and no one made any effort to offer excuses. Many lost their faith. When all three had been hanged, Fra Girolamo in the centre facing the palace, the scaffold was disconnected from the platform and the gunpowder previously placed on the circular platform around the cross was set afire, exploding like rockets and bombs. In a few hours, they were incinerated, their legs and arms falling off little by little, bits and pieces sticking to the chains. Rocks were thrown to knock these pieces loose, because it was feared that the people would collect them. Then the hangman, you know what I want? Shh, shh, you want to come in and see what I've got? A little bit of burned arm. This yeah. is this is Savonarola's burned arm. I've kept yeah. it in a case all these years. Oh, yeah. smell it. Smell it. Take a good whiff. Oh, it's so good. That's religious smell right there. Oh, burned. Burned what, fucking... What a- what is in Kansas City? Is it Mata. John the Baptist Pinky? I'm trying to remember. Yeah. Oh my god. It's yeah. the uh it it's the finger that he used finger. to <laughs> butt fuck Jesus with. I don't know. <laughs> so yeah, because when you, people would get in the water to be baptized by John the Baptist, he'd go, Now you might feel a little sting here. <laughs> in the back. Uh, whoop. It's, yeah, it's it's he goes, it's, it's, whoopsie. it's part of it. Don't ask. Yeah. Look, yeah. God told me that I got to whip it in. I don't yeah. know. Part of the cleansing process, right. I guess. Yes. Yeah, it's a bit like it, having an enema. We all know an enema's good. Right. Whack a hose up their water. I'm just loosening you up a little bit. For God. For the holy enema. Right. Yeah, it's the, ho- it's the holy water. <laughs> when I pull it out, holy right. water's going to go up there. It's great. It right. And if you've got any... Uh, yeah. You know, rectal cancer, gone. anything like that, gone. boom, gone, immediately gone. gone. Yeah. Uh, prostate cancer, gone, because uh, it gets up there and into the prostate through yeah. there. So, like, it's good. It's not just, like it's not just fun for me it's and you. It. It's also it's, it's, worth it's it. religious. It's holy. Yeah. It's yeah. got medical benefits. Uh, yeah. And if, in fact, if you get up close to that finger in Kansas City, you take a whiff. <laughs> oh, you can smell. That's true. Jesus's poop that's on his true. finger, still a bit under his fingernail. <laughs> The holy poop of Jesus. Now, John the Baptist continues. Now, you probably noticed by now, because we're in a river, that I'm extremely hard. I'm going to need you to just ignore that. And I promise you it's only my finger uh, because God told me to. So just don't even look at it. Just However, <laughs> however, after this, yeah, if you here's, here's it, my hotel room key. Right, right. You know, I'll be there all night. I'm not doing anything. Right. You know, I've got, I got, all the, I got whips and chains and yeah. lube and candles and if, scented <laughs> candles. Gets rid of the, anything, the poop smell from my finger. This is foreplay. I mean, I hope we can continue on. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> okay. you know, God, God bless you. Think of that. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck! This, Where was this I? One, Throwing hold rocks. On, hold on, at the hold on. This one's our... for God. <laughs> This one's for me. Anyway, please continue. <laughs> the white stuff in the water? I don't know what that. I don't know what it is. It's a mystery. It's a mystery. I don't know. Why don't you taste it? Tell me what you think. I don't know what it is. I just... And if you like it, I know where you can get more. But anyway. Yeah, well, yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> Oh, we're so wrong. Uh, So they were throwing rocks at the uh, arms and legs. Then the hangman and the other assigned workers cut down the post, burned it to the ground with a lot of brushwood that had been sent for, and they stirred the fire over the bodies to burn up every last remnant. Wagons were brought up and accompanied by mace bearers carted off every remaining speck of dust to the Arno near the Ponte Vecchio. So that nothing would be found. In spite of this, however, some good people had such faith that they collected the ashes floating in the water. Fuck. But they did it in great secrecy, fearfully, yes. without saying a word about it. So how the fuck do you know about it, Landucci? For it was as much as their lives were worth, the authorities being determined to destroy every relic of him. Right. But see, there you go, Tommy matters. G. You got it. Right. He's dead. We got there. You happy, Tommy? Uh, He's dead. Uh, you fucking happy, Tom? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's right. After everything he's been through. But but see, it doesn't matter that they did away with the remains. It doesn't matter that probably a majority of the people lost their confidence in Savo when God doesn't rock up, come out of the clouds and save him at the last minute or maybe strike down the church with some lightning. I don't know. Because now that he's dead, he's a martyr. And for those that still believe in him, when they're going about their daily task and they see a bird flutter in one direction and not another or whatever, they see that as evidence that everything that he said was true. And those who don't like him see evidence all around them that everything he said was not true. In fact, Savo was probably extra evil. If he could fool the people of Florence, the good, wholesome Republican people of Florence, he probably was hand-chosen by the devil himself to try to trick us. But it doesn't matter because now he's gone. Yeah, I like that bit that Landucci wrote about many Mm -hmm. lost their faith um, because obviously there would have been a bunch of them that that were convinced Oh, yes. Like Christians were at the turn of the millennium, that this is it. I mean, they're not going to happen. He, he, God is going to intervene, man. He's going to come down. Whoop ass. Oh, yeah. Armies of the sky. He's going to strike down the fucking cross, the the hanging, whatever you call it, the noose with lightning bolts. Yeah. Uh, He's going to save. He's going to. Like a lot of people believe that Trump. It wasn't going to win the last election or won't win this one. They thought, oh, you know, something's going <laughs> no to happen way. at the last minute. We're all going to be saved. <laughs> um, but it was not to be. And I can imagine that must have been very disappointing. But then That's again, true. knowing Christians, you know, they probably went, oh, well, you know, this is part of the test. This is a test. Right. We have to, oh, we're you being know, tested. this is yeah. a test of our faith. We're being tested. Right. Yeah, he has a, he has a reason. God has a reason for letting Savonarola be uh, brutally executed like this. Right. Um, right. <laughs> crispy Savonarola. <laughs> then yeah. right. came the Damnatio. The Damnatio Memorae, which we will be right. doing on our Caesar show next time, too. Or have we already done it? I think we already did it last mm. week with the. Uh, the Damnatio of Messalina. Now we're doing right. the Damnatio of Savonarola. Oh, my God. To possess his writings was a criminal offence. All of his books had to be surrendered, confiscated, and destroyed, mm. the, uh, which obviously didn't happen because I have copies of lots of his speeches <laughs> anyway. Um, right. I, don't, I haven't been able to get copies of lots of his books, but some have survived. 
Um, so yeah. obviously people scurried them away like they did the um, scriptures that were found in Egypt uh, in the 1950s. What are they called? Mm. The um, Nag Hammadi, the Nag Hammadi oh. scriptures. They were also supposed to be destroyed, but they were found in the 50s. So right. uh, yeah, people people hid them away, obviously, and uh, they they came to light later on at some point. Probably the Vatican later. held on to some as well. I imagine they probably kept them in their archives. Good point for you know yeah. shits and giggles. Right. Well, you need to know who your enemies are. Exactly. The San Marco friars who survived were forbidden to discuss his teachings either among themselves or with the lay people or give wow. talks, preachers, teachers, preachers, <laughs> forbidden to preach about him. They were even forbidden to use the terms Pianoni or Compagnaccio, Compagnaccio, which were the, the names for his followers. They were stripping Florence of any evidence that he had even existed. All of the churches Damn. in Florence were forbidden from conducting services or ceremonies in memory of any of the uh, martyrs or from singing his favorite psalm, Girolamo's favorite psalm, Ecce Quam Bonus. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. The, the I... bell of San Marco, which he had used to summon people to his church, right? was taken down, whipped through the streets by the public executioner and banished from the city for 50 years. Right. What the fuck is that all about? I have a couple of questions. Um, One, does a bell feel shame? Two, is the bell supposed to come back on its own after the 50 years? Uh, Curious minds want to know. I don't know. It's it's fucking it's crazy. Slink, it slinks back it slinks. under cover of dark with a hood oh, I'm over sorry. it. Back in yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> what the I'm fuck just... did the bell do deserve to get whipped? God. Now, that's enough talk for now about division, about what separates all these people and they're fighting each other. Let's talk about what all good Florentines want, no matter what your political stripe is. The anti and pro Savo groups do work together because they do have some common causes. One, they damn sure want to make the Medici, they damn sure want to make sure that the Medici do not come back. And like you said on the last episode, they still to this day do not possess Pisa. They want that back as well. And the other thing is that they, the government and the people have to come together to some degree because they still have that mutual um, that mutual opponent, the Pope. Again, they don't hate the Pope. They want to get along with the Pope. They don't want to piss the Pope off. But at the same time, they're constantly striving to show their independence. So we need some kind of coming together of the government because we do have a common enemy. He is the Pope. And, it, and if we're not careful, he can separate us and, and try to find some way to exert his influence over the city, which popes have been trying to do for quite some time. So there are some reasons for the people of Florence to come together, even during this crazy time of Savo's death. Yeah, Florence needs to get its shit together. Uh, they need to rebuild. They need they need to yeah. figure out how they're going to get through this. Now, there's a few things that the anti-Savonarolans and his supporters agreed upon. One was that the Medici should not be allowed to return. Right. Another was was that they should avoid a war with the Holy League at all costs. Another was that they needed some form of political unity. 
Yeah. And one of the big decisions that they came to in this period was that having a government that changes every two months kind of yeah. makes it hard to get shit done. Duh! So a couple of years later in 1502, the Great Council right. voted to make the Gonfalonieri of Justice a lifetime office. Wow. Now, wow. <clears throat> talk about going from extremes. Yes. Well, like two months isn't long enough to have it. Yeah, what about a year? What about two years? <laughs> yeah. Really? Do you have Do to go to that? lifetime office? Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's a bit of a an extreme fucking leap to right. jump to there. But uh, they did it and they elected Piero Sodorini, the brother of Piero Sodorini, to be the gonfalonieri. Now, uh, his brother, Piero, was uh, one of Savonarola's allies and mentors, Ooh. political mentors. We talked right. about him earlier. Uh, but Piero wasn't really a Pionioni. Uh, he wasn't part of uh, Savonarola's inner circle. Mm-hmm. But he did believe in a lot of Savonarola's social, political, economic reforms, and he managed to push some of them through. So yeah. sort of a happy ending for that. I mean, maybe that was uh, the upside of all of this, is right. uh, they pushed through some of Savonarola's political reforms. That's true to a point, to a degree, a bit, because then there's a negative side of it. So for the next few years, he is going to pass the long deferred reform of fiscal of the fiscal system, which we agreed is completely screwed up. And it's been used by the elites to attack each other. And they can they can basically ruin you with, uh, you know, by overtaxing, overestimating the taxes. And so, yeah, that needs to be worked on. He was able to get through the sumptuary laws, you know, regulating consumption. So good for him. So people can't, the, the uber rich can't flaunt it in the face of the poor people. They were able to limit the size of the dowries. And as someone who has four daughters, I think that's a great fucking idea. And they're also able to extend the communal loan fund uh, where I guess people can borrow money if, if, it, if it's something, a tragedy in their life or if it's for a business loan or whatever. But the other part of that loan, that fund, is the attached rider, which was the expulsion of the Jews. So they're basically trying to take, if you need money, don't go to a Jew, go to this communal fund that we have. And by the way, let's get rid of the Jews because they're part of the problems too. Because how many times did Savo say, if you all do what I say, not only will Florence be the new Jerusalem, but the Jews will convert. The Mohammedans will convert. Now, we've seen the Jews convert in Spain and Portugal, and we still don't trust them, and so we're still going to kill them. But the point is, let's get them to convert first before we kill them. So he did get a lot of these things through, but it wasn't always best for people like the Jews. Love the Jews. <laughs> I do. I don't think Florence does, but that's I'm, I'm not a Christian, so... Hambo, Hambo, where you been? <laughs> I just haven't. I haven't been using. I haven't been using this enough recently. I just realized. I need to. I need to use it mm-hmm. a lot more. Mm-hmm. In the gay world, I'm a bear. <laughs> uh, I am mid cookie. Do you hear me? <laughs> oh. Yeah, so you've got you've got forty minutes until I make even less <laughs> sense. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. that's a good point. <laughs> okay, so yeah, 
Uh, this guy, uh, Piero Soderini, who's now the gonfalonieri for life, Damn. was also quite friendly with uh, Piero de Lorenzo de' Medici, the one who's in exile at the oh. moment, who had made him ambassador to the King of France in 1493. And they are kind of related. Uh, Soderini's mother was a Tornabuoni. Uh, Piero de Gaudi's wife was a Tornabuoni. So, uh, you know, she was the grandmother of Piero, right. the weak-ass bitch, who's in exile. <laughs> So they were kind of related. So he's 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 kind of uh, um, straddling both camps, Piero, which right. is probably why he got elected Gonfalonieri for life. Yeah, same thing. Um, yeah. Now, yeah, but they had to get rid of the Jews uh, as part of the deal. And look, yeah, no yeah. one had a problem with that because uh, they didn't like the Jews, <laughs> so it's all good. <laughs> That's true. Now, Soderini also defended the alliance with the French. Right. In 1499, the new French king, Louis XII, yeah. had invaded Italy. It's a year after Savonarola died. He invaded Italy, deposed Duke Ludovico in Milan, and sent him to die in a French prison. Damn. So, uh, yeah, sorry about that, Ludo. Um, right. Now, Louis XII, um, I guess we'll get to him uh, probably in the next... Uh, some episodes. Uh, interesting guy. Mm-hmm. Um, rather, rather popular with the French people. Um, tried to exert his authority over Italy, etc. But we'll tell his story in more detail as we go. Right. In the end, Florence did get Pisa back. Yes. But it didn't require the French. It didn't require Jesus. <coughs> it required. Niccolo Machiavelli. Damn right. Uh, Niccolo was at the time the secretary of the Ten, mm-hmm. and he was able to create a citizen militia so they didn't need to rely on foreign mercenaries, condottieri, yeah. who, as we've seen in the past, their loyalty <laughs> is all over the place. It's yeah, whoever's... Whoever, whoever offers you the most cash. Yeah. Uh, so he created Florence's own army. They went, laid siege to Pisa. Damn and, right. And uh, Pisa surrendered in 1509. So it took them quite a while. But Damn. It was thanks to Machiavelli. Yeah. And um, I've got a feeling that we're probably going to do Machiavelli Next time. We'll I do them hard. Maybe. Maybe yeah. Da Vinci. Right. Maybe, maybe Machiavelli. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure who we'll do next, but a l- lot of options yeah. now, but uh, we'll see. It's opening up. But you've mentioned Milan, the leader of Milan, Duke Ludovico, was deposed, and now Pisa's being taken, and that's not the only military action that's going on, because... I think we've learned in uh, th- doing all these shows, there's always outside outside forces, and a lot of them are stronger than yourself. So the Holy League is back, and with its allies, they defeat Fen- Venice. Shit, oh my God, these cookies are already kicking in. They <laughs> defeat Venice in 1509, and they conquer Ravenna in 1512. So there's a lot of these major cities that are falling to the Holy League. So... Um, Florence better watch its act, better get its act together. But just because you got Pisa back, that only makes you so much stronger. So they better be careful because it sounds like the Pope is coming and he's bringing his posse. Well, when they got Florence back, Soderini yep. gave a big speech saying that uh, Florence was now the most powerful state in Italy. And to his fellow citizens, he said, it is in your hands to make this Ooh. republic and its territorial empire great, which can only be done through the observance of 
of justice. If you do this, your liberty and dominion will be very great indeed. Well, now, well, well, uh, speaking of Machiavelli. Yeah. I just have to say real quick, wasn't it only like a year or two ago where Savo was saying, look, people of Florence, it's in your hands. If you listen to me and you follow God, you find your way to God. He will take care of us. You will have riches like you've never known before. We'll acquire territory. The Jews will convert. The Muslims will convert. So there's always people telling you it's in your hands, but that's bullshit because there's always some army that can come along and whip ass. So... But I guess it's something you have to say after a big event like Pisa being retaken. I guess it's standard. Well, when Soderini gave that speech, it was 11 years after Savonarola had been executed and Mm. they've got a citizen militia. So it literally is in their citizens' hands because they have a citizen army now. Good point. Um, but yes, of course, he's saying, like, it, it's through the observance of justice. Oh, and guess what? I'm the Gonfalonieri of justice <laughs> for life, <laughs> bitches. So, <laughs> Suck yeah, it. you know, yeah. do what I say and everything will be fine. Of course, that's what politicians <laughs> always say. That's their job. Right. Now, when right. Savonarola was still preaching back in early 1498, uh, Machiavelli was there. He had listened to him and decided that he was a crafty and dishonest opportunist. He wrote, he keeps changing with the times and colouring his lies to suit them. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So that was Machiavelli's view of Savonarola. And as I said at the beginning of this series, uh, Machiavelli, reading Machiavelli, The Prince, was where I first heard of Savonarola back when I was probably... I don't know, 20, and I started mm-hmm. getting interested in history and I read Machiavelli. Um, so, you know, he, he did a lot to uh, uh, keep Savonarola, uh, despite the damnatio, <laughs> to keep yeah. Savonarola's memory around, but he didn't use him as a positive example. Right. He used him as a negative example. He, um, throughout the course of his life, he never really had anything positive to say about Savonarola, even after many years had passed. In uh, 1504, he was writing about the history of Florence, and uh, he basically, I guess, mocked Savonarola in that. It's only five or six years since he'd been executed. Right. He said he was the Capon whose voice was heard amongst a hundred roosters, that grand Savonarola filled with the divine afflatus whose words sowed so much disunity in the city that his prophetic light had to be extinguished by a still greater fire. Wow. So uh, there you go. But, Um, I mean... Later on, yeah. I was going to say, but but Machiavelli makes a good point because to look at... Sabo's career. Here's someone who was not a soldier. He's not a king. He doesn't have a weapon per se in his hand, but he does. Um, he does manage to get a lot of power, a lot of influence. But that's that's you know a lot of people can take advantage of a situation and at first to get a lot of people to listen to their message. That's kind of the easy part. It's like how do you keep power? And I think Machiavelli was looking at Sabo going, I can see what you did, and I can see that you failed, and I think I figured out why you failed, and I need to make sure that 
whoever listens to me in the future doesn't make those same mistakes. Because again, for someone who doesn't have a weapon in his hand, Sabo was able to do some incredible things. And that's, he wants to remember yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when he wrote The Prince in 1513, mm-hmm. sort of 15 years after Savonarola's execution, he used Savonarola as an example of mm. the complete failure um, mm-hmm. of his statesmanship or his statecraft. He, but he, but he you know, set him up against Moses, Cyrus, uh, Romulus, right. all of these great founders of new states. And he said, well, they were successful in their own ways, but Savonarola failed mm-hmm. because he said it's one thing to persuade people uh, to follow a certain course of action, right. but it's another thing to to keep them on that course of action. Yeah. You, you can it's one thing to create a movement. Yeah. But if you're going to create a movement, you have to have a leader that can see that movement through and in order to do that, you need an army basically. Because yeah. and this is again getting back to Castro that I think we talked about in the last episode. Mhm. Um you know, it's one thing to start something, but if you start a revolution, You've got to expect the that the elite are going to try and crush your revolution. They, yes. The elite don't want change. The elite don't want progress. The elite don't want uh, any threats to their wealth and power. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the, the existing system is working for the elite. It's giving them the wealth and power that they want. They don't want any change to that. This is in part what my psychopath book is about. So they're going to crush with every tool they have available to them, whether it's police, the the legal system, the media, uh, just straight up money, assassination, Mm -hmm. armies, whatever it takes, they're going to use it, disinformation, propaganda, they're going to use it to crush any attempts at significant and rapid progress in socioeconomic political sphere. And so what Machiavelli was pointing out, and rightly so, is that it's one thing to start some shit, but if you're going to start some shit, you've got to have an army to protect right. yourself <laughs> and your movement. Too. Or what's the yes. point? It's, right. It's, and how many times have we seen this, Ray, in, in oh, our yeah. shows, when they assassinated Julius Caesar, Brutus and Cassius? Mm-hmm. They fucked up. They, they didn't think ahead. They're like, oh, mm. we'll just Step kill one. him and uh, we'll, we'll work him. it all out later. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What's step two? Ah, don't worry about that. Stop overthinking shit. If you're planning too much, there's no time we'll for wing that. It. We'll wing it. What's the worst that can happen? Yeah. 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 Same thing when they executed Caligula. Um, yeah. we've, we've, we've told these stories many, many times. Right. Um, same thing when they tried to uh, assassinate uh, the Medici in the church. I mean, they, yeah. they didn't really think it through. And, uh, and the- Machiavelli... Is yeah. pointing that out. Right. And he's writing all this stuff down because it's almost like a manual, you know, literally a manual had to be leader. But I think it was Bismarck that said, might makes right. And that's a very short version of what Machiavelli is putting down on the prince. Because, yeah, if you can back it up with swords and guns, uh, people have a tendency to go along with what you're saying. Yeah. And look, there are two ways of looking at that. I mean, Mm -hmm. if you're forcing your views upon people using Mm -hmm. might, 
that's obviously not good. Um, right. He, I mean, yeah, unless your views are right. I mean, in the case of a revolution like Cuba's, I guess, uh, that's it's murky. Obviously, right. Cuba pre-Castro was a horrible place for the majority of the population, and he did have to force his views on the rest of the population um, in order to do the morally right thing, the ethically right thing, which is mm-hmm. uh, try and create better conditions for the people. We can argue about how that turned out, um, but you know the the impetus was justifiable. But I think what Machiavelli is Machiavelli is saying is that if you're going to start a revolution, you need to you need to be able to defend yourself from the people yes. who are going to try and shut it down. And if you do, if you start it without having that power in place already mm. or a plan to get that power along the way, yeah, good luck. Um, yeah, you know, it's uh, yeah, yeah, uh, it's a bit like the classic Garth Ennis comic book, uh, The Punisher Kills the Marvel Universe. I mean, for those of you who have read that classic, when The Punisher first starts killing off the Marvel heroes, he actually goes and takes down Kingpin first and gets Kingpin's arsenal of weapons. And then he uses oh. that to go take down Doctor Doom. Then he gets Doctor Doom's arsenal of weapons and right. technology. Then... He has the wherewithal to go take down the mighty heroes of the Marvel Universe because he's already uh, got all of the tricky gadgets and technology that he needs. Planned it out. Uh, So he had a plan. He had a plan, right? You have to build up your military capability before you go and take on uh, Iron Man and uh, Captain America. That's our advice. Iron Man, Iron Man wasn't in that book for some reason. I don't know. He killed Spider-Man. He killed Captain America. I don't, don't remember him killing Thor or Iron Man. don't know what they were doing at the time. He killed the Fantastic Four, which is good because, let's face it, yeah. it's stupid. Yeah, I don't um, yeah. Anywho. I concur. Yeah. Although, as a kid, I did want to be Johnny Storm. I, I must confess, I really wanted to go, Flame on! <laughs> and jump off the roof. And now you only flame in Vegas. So you're halfway there. <laughs> And I flame uh, flame something else late at night, you know, torch up, flame up. Flame all over me. <laughs> you oh eat cookies. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, a few years later from that, in his discourses on the first 10 books of Livy, mm-hmm. Machiavelli mentions Savonarola again. He says, The founders of new orders will be opposed by envious rivals and must be prepared to use violence against them. Moses and Brutus, for example, were obliged to kill many of their opponents. Brutus is, I think, an example of of a failure in this regard. Savonarola, though, he said, understood that he needed to use force against his opposition, but as a cleric, he had no arms at his disposal nor any authority to deploy them, and he was therefore reduced to railing against his enemies to approach them to reproach them, sorry, as the wise of the world, hoping that his supporters, who did have the authority to raise arms, would take the cue and do what needed to be done, but they didn't, and so catastrophe followed. Right. Uh, Yeah, so a lot of lessons to be learned from the first success and then failure of Sabo. You just have to be paying attention. Well... Uh, to wrap it up then, I think uh, we'll give a slightly more favourable opinion written 10 years after the execution by Francesco Guicciardini, who was the son of one of the leading Pianoni followers of Savonarola. 
Right. He said the work he did in promoting decent behaviour was holy and marvellous. Never had there been as much goodness and religion in Florence as there was in his time. After his death, these disappeared, showing that whatever virtue there was had been introduced and maintained by him. When Piero had been expelled and the parliament convoked, the city was so badly shaken and the friends of the old regime were in such disfavour and danger that even Francesco Valori and Piero Caponi could not protect them. That many would suffer great harm seemed inevitable. If that had come about, it would have been a great blow to the city, for many of them were good, wise, and rich men of great houses and family connections. Mm -hmm. Dissension would surely have arisen among those who governed. New upheavals, more parliaments, further expulsions of citizens, and several revolutions would have been the result. And in the end, Piero would perhaps have returned, which would have meant disaster and ruin for the city. It was Savonarola alone who made it possible to avoid all this confusion and chaos. He introduced the Great Council, which put a bridle on all those eager to become masters of the city. He proposed the appeal to the Signoria, rightly from the Signoria to the Great Council, which acted as a safeguard for the preservation of the citizens. He brought about universal peace simply by impeding those who wished to punish Medici supporters under colour of establishing the ancient order. Mm. Without doubt, these efforts saved the city. And as Savonarola so truly said, working to the advantage of those who now governed and those who had governed. But whether or not he was a true prophet, Gocciadini wasn't able to say with any surety. Mm-hmm. Right. He said, uh, because the results of his works were so good, and because several of his prophecies were fulfilled, many people continued to believe for a long time that he was truly sent by God and that he was a true prophet despite the excommunication, the trial, and his death. For my part, I am in doubt and have no firm opinion on the matter. I shall reserve my judgment for a future time if I live that long, for time clears up everything. But I do believe this, if he was good, We have seen a great prophet in our time. If he was bad, we have seen a great man. For apart from his erudition, which we must admit that if he was able to fool the public for so many years on so important a matter without ever being caught in a lie, he must have had great judgment, talent and power of invention. Time clears up everything. Unfortunately, 25 years later, after he'd had a long and very distinguished public career, Guicciardini wrote his history of Italy. And mm-hmm. when he talked about this period, uh, the Great Council and Savonarola, he still couldn't say whether right. Savonarola was good and a true prophet or bad and a great man and still offered no final judgment. But I think he makes some good points Right. Yes. I, as I oh, said yeah. earlier, I think he did push through some great political reforms like the Great mm-hmm. Council yeah. and the appeal to the Signoria for people that were convicted uh, of crimes uh, and, and execution, although he didn't get to appeal. Or maybe he did, but the Signoria was against him anyway, I guess, and the Great right. Council was against him at that stage too. Um, and that, you know, the, the, after the Piero had been kicked out, the Medici had been kicked out, uh, you know, he did play a role in sort of keeping the city relatively peaceful. 
he obviously was extremely talented uh, mm-hmm. as a speaker, as a preacher. He got people on board. I guess the great tragedy in my mind of Savonarola's story right. is the destruction, the bonfires of the vanities that the he art. organized. Yes. The destruction of the the art, the paintings, the books, the sculptures that must have been destroyed in that, the masterpieces that we would have today uh, that we don't have, that we don't even know we don't have. They're Rumsfeld's right. unknown unknowns. We don't even know what they are. <laughs> no one recorded them. Exactly. The great Renaissance masterpieces, probably Da Vinci's, Donatello's, uh, Botticelli's, uh, works of God knows who, pagan, ancient authors, Cicero, whatever, gone forevermore. Yeah. If I may, you have said numerous times over the various shows that we've done that a real, you know, when people criticize communism or socialism, your your comeback is, and, and I think you're right, that a true communist state hasn't really been tried because there was Stalinism and, and then there was Titoism. And Titoism was a lot better than, uh, was a lot more liberal and moderate uh, than Stalinism. And it's the same thing here. It's like, you can't have someone who truly believes in God, who wants to do well, who's far from perfect, come into a prosperous state and go, I have an idea. I want you all to be more Christian-like. I want you all to find your way to God. That's going to be fine for a while. It's going to probably work with the poor. It's probably going to work with the middle class. But Savo was going up against the established elites, the families who had traded, taking turns, holding power for hundreds of years over the city so he can do whatever he wants. But Machiavelli is Machiavelli is right. If he doesn't have a gun, at the end of the day, the elites will find some way to do a course correct. They'll get rid of him. They'll use whatever means they have to destroy him. And then they'll go back to challenging each other to try to run the city. You can't truly have I don't, I don't even like if a, a priest came today who was truly holy, wanted best for everybody, spread the word, got every, got a lot of people to be decent to each other. But at the end of the day, those who have power do not want to give it up. So I don't, unless Savo picks up a gun, I don't think he had a chance in the long run, but it was a hell of a ride. And I think you're right. I think he was incredibly intelligent. He was talented. He eventually became a good speaker and he was able to probably take it a lot further than most priests would have been able to do. And I think he laid the foundation in many ways for all of the evangelical Mm. fire and brimstone preachers that... Good point. We've seen ever since he also laid the groundwork or uh, helped lay the groundwork for people like Martin Luther um, in terms of criti- criticizing the Vatican, Calvin, yeah. all these guys. Yeah. yeah. Well, that is the end, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, of 14 episodes. I just tallied them up that we right. did on Savonarola. 14 hours yes. on the life and career and, and final death uh, right. and legacy of Savonarola. And here is your mission, should you choose to accept it. <clears throat> this week, your job is to talk to somebody. Tell somebody the story of Savonarola. Right. On a, you know, over a beer, over the dinner table, at work, in the lunchroom. Say, hey... You, uh, you ever heard of Savonarola? And people will go, no. And you go, sit down. 
pull up, take a knee. Yeah. Uh, let me tell you about Savannah Roll and tell them high level. You don't have to do it for fourteen right. hours. No, do please it for don't. Ten minutes, five right. minutes. Right. Give them the high level of Savannah Roll, and when you finish, when they ask you, "Why did you tell me all that?" Go, I don't fucking know. I just Cam <laughs> said it was a thing, and I did it because I'm loyal. That's right. And I'm obedient. My, exactly. But uh, now, now you know something. You're not completely uneducated about, right. you know, Savonarola. You're welcome. Because uh, that's how I feel at the end of this. I oh, don't know yeah. why we spent 14 hours telling you this story, but we did it, so you're welcome. And now you know some shit you didn't know before. <laughs> and, and like you said earlier, the incredible thing is this story takes place right in the middle of the Italian hell, the Florentine Renaissance. I mean, you know, yeah. things can always things can always change. Because, like, I've had people... Um, my kids asking me, you know, they don't know what the hell is going on in the world, but they're like, so dad, I hear from the news that if this person gets on the Supreme court, they might take away the right to, uh, uh, what do you call it? Obamacare, or they might attack civil rights. And Kiki, who's older said something about taking away the right to have an abortion. And and I didn't say, I was like, yes, that's, that's stuff that I've heard as well. But anybody who thinks in 2020 that we can't go back to the 1950s or to the 1940s, uh, that's all bullshit. If, If the right politicians get in I mean, you can always de-evolve as a society. There's no magic formula. And now Florence here is going to have to rebuild themselves up from the religiosity of Salvo back to merchants because we didn't get into it, but the Medici do come back and they do again take power in Florence. Well, I think you're right. And I think that exactly is the reason why everyone should go out and tell this story to friends and colleagues over the next week is because this is a lesson that, particularly in your country, you need oh, to yeah. learn. Uh, it can all disappear. But I do like the fact that Kiki's worried about abortions going away because I know <laughs> she has told me on several she- occasions <laughs> that she plans to have a lot. She's a uh, she's an intense feminist. Oh, my God, if you ever check out her Instagram, in next, she is... No, Kiki's mm, not going to have an abortion. In the abortion. next few years. No, because she's going to give me a half In the next few years, baby. she's intending on having several. Right. <laughs> She's already told me, Dad. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you a half black baby. Yeah. Okay, honey, that's with D'Angelo. <laughs> well, D'Angelo's father. No, you can't cross the streams. Maybe D'Angelo's grandfather. I'm not sure, but the point is, we'll wait. We'll wait. <laughs> Does D'Angelo have a son? Yeah, um, maybe. Yeah. I don't want to know. Uh, I don't want to fucking know. Yeah, we're out. Ooh.